this morning, I just want to spend a little bit of time looking at uh, Nehemiah. It's, it's a long section, but I'm not focusing on all the detail of the section. I want to focus on uh, Nehemiah, uh, just as a, uh, a bit of background introduction. Uh, after many years of rebellion against God's uh, word and against God himself, uh, uh, there have been many warnings. Uh, despite God's mercy, uh, they ignored them. And God's people were taken into captivity in Babylon. And everything of value was taken. Uh, the city, including the temple and the palaces, were burned to the ground. Uh, the walls were leveled and, and all was left of the people were taken into captivity, except for a, 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 a number of uh, very, very poor people. And uh, they were left to work the land and care for the vineyards. The land was left utterly desolate and, and abandoned to anarchy. And yet God is good and God is merciful and God had promised that after 70 years uh, he would bring his people home. And we're, we're told that uh, uh, God moved in the heart of, of Cyrus who issued a, a decree liberating the Jewish captives, permitting them to, to re- return to Jerusalem, and rebuild the city and the temple. Uh, and the number of people in that first group who returned uh, under uh, a man called Zerubbabel uh, was 42,000. Uh, and later other bands of Jews returned, some with a man called Ezra. But really, the vast majority of the people remained in Babylon. They didn't want to go back. They were happy uh, living in uh, an ungodly land and living with uh, idolatrous people. And uh, probably about six times more people stayed in Babylon than returned. The people who'd gone back to uh, Jerusalem to build the temple had many problems. Uh, they had opposition from the people who now lived in the area. But eventually the, the temple was rebuilt and uh, uh, the people rejoiced. But as time went on, things deteriorated there. And we uh, are looking at uh, a time uh, about 100 years after the first group of people went in. And the first thing I want us to see here uh, when we look at Nehemiah is his concern for God's work and God's people. And the first thing uh, about his concern, he inquired, Nehemiah inquired about the situation in Jerusalem. He heard that some men had come from Judah. He asked how things were, how things were going with God's people in uh, the land there. He showed an interest. It wasn't just a vain curiosity. curiosity. It wasn't that he, he wanted all the gossip which we can be like sometimes when we ask for information about situations. Uh, he, it wasn't about the problems and the people. He had a real interest in the welfare for, of God's people. He had a real interest in the progress of God's work. And he was concerned for God's honour. We see that by his reaction. Because Nehemiah is doing well. He's in a nice prosperous situation. Uh, and, and yet, uh, 
he, he looks at this situation uh, of God's people. What is happening with them? There's a, a challenge here for us. What about us where we live today, where we are here in Kasalem? Uh, like David in Psalm 16, we can say the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And when we look at the church here, we, we have a reasonably sized congregation. We've known God's blessing over the years. We have a very nice and comfortable building because of the sacrifice of previous generations. We can afford to pay a pastor. We live in a prosperous land. Uh, and at the moment, we're free to gather to worship and preach the gospel. And yet, how often do we think outside of the church here? How, do we, how often do we consider or ask about other situations? What do we know of struggling causes less than half an hour from here, let alone churches uh, across the world and around the world who are going through such difficult times? Nehemiah inquired. And Nehemiah inquired because he cared. And that's an important thing and a question for us and a challenge for us. Do we care about God's people? Not just here, but do we care about God's people elsewhere in Cardiff, elsewhere around Wales? Britain, throughout the world, was uh, encouraging to, to have Reuben here last week. Uh, and he's going to be involved in church planting and uh, go into a difficult situation. Do we care about these difficult situations? Are we going to pray for him, or are we going to forget him? So Nehemiah inquired. The second thing here is, Nehemiah sorrowed. The news that he received was not good news. Verse 3, they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. How sad that is for God's people to be in trouble and shame. And we're told as soon as he heard these words, he sat down, he wept, he mourned for days. And then we're told he continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So when Nehemiah hears about the state of Jerusalem, he hears about what's happening with God's people, he wept, he mourned, he fasted. It had a profound effect on him. It wasn't something that, oh yes, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. He was really bothered by what he heard. In one sense, it probably wasn't a surprise to him. Things had not gone well in Judah for a long time. Almost a hundred years had passed since the rebel, and the first group of exiles had returned. But this time when he heard, it became real to him. And we need to think, about that. What about us? What about the church here? Despite our many blessings, we're not without difficulties. We've, we've gone through COVID and it's caused us and many churches problems and difficulties over the past 18 months. People have been isolated. People have been fearful. And despite the blessings of Zoom and YouTube, it has been difficult uh, for many to have real fellowship. Uh, we are looking to open up more and more. Uh, but we need to be united. We need to have a sense of purpose. 
Uh, and that's important for us. We're, we're looking for a new pastor. Again, we need that sense of purpose. We need uh, that sense of unity. And then when we think of, of many in the church who are going through such severe trials uh, of different sorts or, or another, many uh, difficulties, some physical, some mental, some emotional, uh, some spiritual, many people finding things hard. We find that Nehemiah sympathised with God's struggling people. And we have to ask ourselves, what do we know of that? Do we weep uh, over the church and the difficulties that people have in the church here? Do we care? We often sing uh, the hymn, Blessed be the time that binds. We, we, we sang it a few weeks ago. Uh, and there are wonderful words in there. It speaks of sharing our mutual woes. Uh, bearing each other's burdens. And often for each other flows the sympathising tear. But does it? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Do we really care? Do we love one another as we ought? Uh, we're reminded by the Lord Jesus Christ... By this will all men know you're my disciples, that you love one another. There has to be a care, there has to be a concern, and and it has to be something that's worked out. The Lord Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus because he cared, because he was concerned and he was filled with compassion. Are we filled with compassion for God's people? Not just here, but but especially here. Then we're told Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah's burden led him. Uh, to pray it's a good pattern for us there are similarities with Daniel's prayer for God's people uh, a hundred years before he recognizes who God is O Lord God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments there's an awareness of who he's coming to an awareness of God's majesty and, and he starts with a focus on the attributes of God and, and uh, it's important that we don't see these things as mere doctrines, but they, they are truths that guide our whole attitude to God. Because it shows us, because of who he is, he is able to answer our prayers because he is great and powerful. But also, he's willing to answer our prayers because he is faithful to his covenant and because he loves his people. And so along with this recognition of God's greatness, there is a humility as well. We can't command God or demand he listen. He pleads with God. The New King James on this verse says, Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. We need to come with the right attitude of mind and heart. There's a confession of sin. He confesses the sins of God's people. And uh, it's a corporate and personal confession. Uh, and, and he includes himself, as does Daniel in his prayer. He reminds God of his promises. He pleads for mercy for them on the grounds that God has promised that if his people returned to him and obeyed his word, he would restore their fortunes. And then he appeals to God because of their relationship with him. They are God's people. They've been redeemed by him and Uh, for the sake of his honour and glory. He should be merciful to them. 
It's uh, a reference to Deuteronomy where Moses is uh, there and people, the people have sinned against uh, God at Mount Sinai. And uh, he pleads with God, not on the basis that they deserve God's blessing and God's mercy, but for God's honour. For God's honour. They are your people, your inheritance that you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. And what happens to God's people reflects upon God. Nehemiah prayed consistently. There are four months passed between hearing uh, uh, and speaking to the king. Uh, and in that time, Nehemiah's grief over the state of God's work and his people hadn't eased. He was deeply disturbed by it. It really mattered to him. Uh, and again, lessons or maybe a rebuke for us here, depending on uh, who we are. How often when we hear about problems, difficulties or needs in the church, are we like this? Not just the church here. We're concerned at the time. We can even pray about it. But we soon forget about it, or, or even worse, get used to it. And we can become complacent. And that's a challenge to each of us here. Do we have a permanent concern for the glory of God and his work? Do we pray continually for God's work and his people? Paul tells the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Do we pray without ceasing? Nehemiah's concern led to action. And uh, he speaks to the king. He is before the king. He uh, is with the king on a regular basis, but one day he's there and, and uh, he's sad. And the king sees it. Uh, and the king wants to know why. And he tells the king he's concerned about Jerusalem. The city of his fathers, is in ruins. God's people are in a mess. He's afraid because it might seem like a a personal criticism, but he's bold. Artaxerxes is the king. The ultimate responsibility for what happens in his empire was his. He could have reacted uh, badly to this. And yet we see God's sovereignty and providence at work. He asks Nehemiah what he wants. I'm sure Nehemiah wasn't expecting that. Nehemiah thought, well, uh, the king might have said, well, let me think about it. But he asked Nehemiah what he wants. And Nehemiah then has to answer. And Nehemiah prays. And he prays what we often refer to as an arrow prayer. He'd prayed many times. uh, And uh, Nehemiah is a man of prayer. He'd prayed for four months for the the city and for God's people. But what we see here is prayer can be made at any time. Uh, Access is unrestricted. Uh, And it's as natural as breathing to him. Before he speaks, he prays. Wouldn't it be wonderful that if sometimes we were like that, that before we speak, we pray that God would give us wisdom. And that's what Nehemiah prays. God would give wisdom to him. He might find favor with the king. Uh, And he's bold. And the secret of his boldness is his confidence in God not in his own abilities his own intellect or strength 
His confidence is in God. And then, Nehemiah's commitment. In his answer to the king, he shows he's fully committed to the work. He's not content to comment about how bad things were and and take a fatalistic view, pray for God to work and then sit back and wait for something to happen. His concern drives him to action. Uh, And prayer and serious effort are, are, are hallmarks of Nehemiah. God is sovereign. We believe that. But we also believe in human responsibility. Nehemiah prays for God to work and resolves to do what he can to help the situation by God's grace. So he doesn't ask in a general way for some help to be sent to Jerusalem. There is a personal commitment on his part. He offered himself, send me. Why? Because he was curious, because he wanted to criticize those who were there? No, that I may rebuild it. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to be involved in God's Work. He was concerned for God's glory and his work and is willing to commit himself to it. And for us as Christians, we have wonderful privileges. We are God's redeemed people. In 1 Peter 1, we're told we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. We have a glorious hope of heaven. We have wonderful privileges, but with those, re- those privileges come responsibilities. Sadly, sometimes as, as Christians, we think we have rights, and the reality is we have no rights. We have privileges, we have responsibilities before God. And the question we have to ask ourselves, every one of us, what about our commitment to the church here? Does our interest finish with prayer? I suppose the question we have to ask is, do we even pray? Do we pray for the church on a daily basis? What are our priorities? Are other things more important? Maybe we think it was easier for Nehemiah. After all, he's only a servant. He's only a cupbearer. The title cupbearer is very misleading. When we think of a cupbearer, we think of a, a butler or a steward, someone who, who, who pours the wine and hands it to the king or, or whoever else is there. The reality was that Nehemiah was a trusted member of the court with a very, very high position, a very comfortable life. He was an important person. He was a statesman. He was probably chief of security. And yet he's willing to give up all of this, and travel 500 miles over land in difficult circumstances, a journey that would have taken months, to Jerusalem, a derelict city surrounded by dangerous enemies and with many problems. Nehemiah was prepared to make great sacrifices for God. Similarly, we find there are others in the past who've done the same. What about us? Sometimes we don't want to give up the the comfort of our favourite chair to come to church or or go to prayer meeting. Nehemiah doesn't hesitate when the king says, well, what do you want? He says, send me. There's a personal commitment. And we should have a personal commitment to Christ. 
C.T. Studd said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. He, he was, uh, uh, had a great intellect. He was a, a great sportsman. He played cricket for, for England. He had so much going for him. And when he told people he was going to the mission field, they said, oh, you're wasting your life. What do you want to do something like that for? And this is his answer. No sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. God raised up Nehemiah. His concern was genuine. It was a man of prayer, expectant prayer, based on God's character and God's word. And Nehemiah supported the Lord's work, not only in prayer. He physically committed himself to the work and was willing to do whatever was necessary to promote and prosper God's work. What about us? Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. God doesn't expect too much from us. God is not putting burdens on us that we uh, shouldn't... uh, that we should find uh, too difficult, too hard. It's our reasonable service. In the light of all that has been done for us, Christ died for us. He gave himself for us. Uh, And uh, we're told in, I've forgotten the the passage, but we're told that it's the love of Christ that should motivate us and constrain us. Uh, And we should live for him who died for us. How are we going to live? In our day, we need people like Nehemiah. More than that, we need to be people like Nehemiah ourselves. It's very easy to say, well, that's not me. But there's always something we can do for God. There's always something in the church here we can do. Uh, There's an old hymn. I, I can't remember the last time. I heard it sung. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Uh, And and it's a work which is just for us. Work for Jesus that God has planned. And uh, we need to look to God. We need to seek God. Nehemiah cared. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah committed himself to serve God in his day. What about us in our day?